Hey, what's up? This is Patrick, and welcome to another episode of the Rebooted Oakland Warriors podcast. Um, I'm flying solo today, but I just wanted to talk about some basketball. In particular, the Warriors draft pick, uh, specifically James Wiseman, and a couple other things. But uh, first off, yeah, let's talk about Wiseman. I think that this was a really good pick. When you're looking at who was available in terms of Edwards, Wiseman, and Ball, um, it was pretty clear that uh, the Warriors were leaning towards Wiseman. I think for me personally, there was a time where I wanted Edwards because I was like, oh man, I can imagine Edwards coming off the bench and then it would just be basically a deluge of offense from um, from him and Clay and Steph and Wiggins. And I thought that it would be a kind of a cool thing to have that kind of firepower, this change of pace guy who was super strong and could go to the rack and score from all three levels. If they went that direction, that would have been cool. Of course, the Timberwolves took him first because they didn't get any trade offers that they liked. When the Warriors pick came up, there was a part of me, and I thought this for maybe about like a month, I had this theory in my head that uh, the long play, the con that the Warriors were trying to pull off was getting LaMelo Ball. And the reasoning was a lot of people have said that he's the best talent in the draft. He's he's someone who's really good at one particular skill, which is passing. And I was like, hmm, maybe they do take him because maybe what they're seeing is in a couple of years, in a few years, when Clay and Steph get a little bit older and they just turn into a couple of dudes who are running off of screens nonstop and shooting threes, and you'll have Lamella Ball running the point, uh, hitting them with dimes. I thought maybe that that would be the play, but uh, clearly that was not. Uh, I like Wiseman. A lot, actually. From the handful of highlights that he did have, he looked to be pretty athletic, and he seems like a like a good kid, and he really does want to get better. Of course, it makes sense to bring him along slowly. Everyone's like, he's going to be in the starting lineup right away. <laughs> but let's take a step back, because the guy has not played an organized game, an official game, in over a year. And he only played three college games total anyway. So with this weird season coming up, he got drafted. He's not going to have any kind of summer league. He's going straight into preseason with the whole squad, into training camp, maybe a few games, and then just start playing in the NBA. Now that's really, really hard to do. And I think it's smart that the Warriors are talking about taking their time with him. I mean, if Looney's healthy, start the guy. (laughs) If Chris is healthy, start the guy. There's no immediate need to have James Wiseman starting an NBA game just yet and putting all that extra pressure on him. Have him come in, have him do the simple things, rim run, rebound, play defense. Make sure he knows not to go for pump fakes like uh, our man (laughs) Damian Jones used to do all the time. And just kind of make sure that his fundamentals are solid. I feel like Coach Collins and even Zaza, if he gets down there, can teach him a lot 
about playing in the NBA as a big man. And Wiseman's athleticism will take over down the road. What you're hoping for is a guy who's here for the future, who's going to be a franchise cornerstone. There's a lot of people out there who love him. There's some people who don't think it was a good idea to draft a center. But let's face it, like he's pretty athletic and it seems like he can guard on the perimeter. We shall see. Uh, He'll probably have to improve his lateral quickness. I mean, how many seven foot one dudes have great lateral quickness, but at least when he's out on the perimeter, he looks like he's getting down and playing defense. He's not just like a big stiff who is standing there kind of straight legged and bent over at the waist about to get just blown by. I think he wants to be good. He wants to be great. And I think the Warriors are the perfect place for him to learn how to do that, learn how to be professional, learn from Draymond Green, learn from Looney, and just be in a culture that knows how to win and, um, you know, that can develop him the way that he should be developed. I mean, it's a perfect situation for anyone who has talent, athletic ability, skill, and the desire to improve and really, really make his mark in the league and on this franchise. Wiseman has talked about being like Chris Bosh and looking up to Kevin Garnett. Who knows if he'll ever reach either of those heights? I'm not saying that he will. You know, people talk about Anthony Davis. Listen, like Anthony Davis came out of college as a clear number one pick. He was uh, super, super, super skilled and kind of an anomaly. But if James Wiseman can end up being uh, a poor man's Anthony Davis or even a homeless man's Anthony Davis in this draft, I think it's a good get. You know, that's somebody that you could, you know, maybe not be the best player on your team down the road, but he's somebody that you could certainly start building with. Who knows? James Wiseman, he turned down Kentucky to play for Penny Hardaway at Memphis. And if he did play at Kentucky, people could have just been calling him the next Anthony Davis anyway. So you never know. I mean, it's all it's all conjecture. But I'm excited. I'm excited for him. And, uh, you know, it was it was cool to see in on draft day when uh, when his name was called and, you know, he he, he got a little emotional. He put his head down. And, you know, those are those are the fun things that uh, that make you feel good about, you know, watching some of these kids work hard and and get this opportunity. And I feel like he'll take advantage of it and make the most of it. And in terms of some of their other pickups, I love the Kelly Oubre pickup. The dude's got a seven foot three wingspan. You know, Uh, he's six, seven, basically the same measurements as Brandon Ingram but seems to be a little bit more athletic, to be honest. Uh, He's awesome in the open court. I don't know if you've had a chance to look up any of his highlights on YouTube, just on the fast break, but uh, the dude knows how to put the ball in the bucket. And he's like, he's a fast dunker, if you know what I mean. Like maybe because of his arms being so long, just like he jumps and he's like, his, the ball is just ready to go into the basket. So uh, once he gets ahead of steam going, like he gets up and it's just, it's gone. And if he can give what he gave last year for the Suns, uh, if he can average, what was it, like 18, a little over 18 points and uh, 35 from three-point land, that's not bad. 
uh, I have a feeling he'll want to do a little bit better that maybe in the system he he'll have an opportunity to do better and playing with Steph will make him better. I honestly don't think he'll be worse. And if he can ramp up the D and apply some of those physical tools with more coaching and discipline, I mean, the guy's 25 years old, so it might be solid. I like the Brad Wanamaker pickup. I saw him a little bit during the, the bubble playoffs, and he just seems solid. Tough guy, worked his way uh, overseas into the league. And anyone who does that is somebody that you probably want uh, on your team. I uh, like the Kent Bazemore pickup, but that's a that's a one-year contract. Someone that's been with the franchise, friends with Steph, you know, got paid elsewhere for a while, is back and has some long-ass arms and is going to probably play some pretty solid D. Man, I like the Nico Mannion pickup. I mean, the, the dude was the number seven ranked high school prospect by ESPN going into his freshman year. I heard, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't watch much of Arizona basketball, but I heard that uh, he started off pretty strong and then uh, maybe an injury or something kind of bugged him the rest of the season or whatever. But I mean, the kid can shoot, the kid can uh, play some offense and run the point. And I think having him on a two-way contract, picking him in the uh, second round in the 40s. I know people who were saying that there were other better shooters, but maybe they found somebody who can find what he had before and uh, playing with Steph and playing in this warrior system, it might be the right fit, the right place for him to to realize uh, his potential. I think he's got skills. And then the disabled player's exemption. I mean, it seems like they're going to just use it maybe mid-season. They're going to hold on to it for a while. Uh, the roster's pretty set. I think they want to see what they get out of Michael Mulder. Uh, maybe Juan Toscano Anderson. I believe the DPE expires in April. So there's time. There's time to use that. Might as well wait and see what they have overall with the roster and then figure out what holes need to be plugged. But I like this team, and I think that they're going to be really fun to watch. Everybody's talking about them being like seven seconds or less because they're going to be running. They have Ubre, they have Wiggins, they have Steph. They have all these guys who are uh, who have huge wingspans and can run and score in transition. So that'll be fun. And they also look like a team that's going to have a lot of defensive capability and a lot of switchability. There's more wings than they had before and there's more youth and athleticism which they had wanted for a while i think this team might surprise people especially the ones who say that the warriors are done when people talk about the dynasty being over i mean who knows maybe yes maybe no maybe this is a 15-year dynasty and we're just seeing a reload maybe um this is the end of the dynasty and the Warriors just become a middling playoff team. Who knows? I think before Clay tore his Achilles, I would have put this team anywhere from uh, in the one to three or one to four range. Uh, seriously. I think that with Clay, they could have pushed uh, the Clippers and the Lakers as constituted. Now after free agency, a lot of players chose either the Clippers or the Lakers instead of the Warriors. And that was largely, I'm guessing, and I'm not alone in this, I'm sure, that once Clay went down, you know, some of these uh, hired guns decided to go where they thought it was even more likely 
to maybe get a ring. Uh, once Clay was injured and after the season, they were like, well, I guess the Lakers are a better bet or the Clippers. Uh, if Clay doesn't get hurt, who knows? You know, maybe they might pick the Warriors. So, again, I would have put the Warriors in the one to three, one to four range before. And now I put them in the four to six range in the West. Um, it really all depends what happens and, and how well they come together. I mean, I think the the Clippers, the Lakers, uh, and maybe some combination of the Mavericks, the Nuggets, maybe the Blazers, uh, maybe the Jazz. I mean, they're all in there. And what's going to be really, really interesting is seeing what happens once all these guys on the Warriors get on the floor with Steph. I forgot which podcast I was listening to over the summer where they were talking about James Harden versus Steph. And they were saying that, you know, Harden is somebody who can put his team on his on his shoulders, whereas Steph is more of a floor raiser. You know, I mean, I, I got the argument a little bit, but if Steph is like the greatest floor raiser because of how he opens up the court, his passing, his unselfishness, how he affects the Warriors culture, we're going to see that put to the test uh, without Clay Thompson. And I'm very, very curious. One of my really good friends from San Francisco, grew up in San Francisco in the Richmond district, and he, he moved to Toronto, but he's still like a diehard Warriors fan, uh, my friend Aram Collier. And we used to talk about like once Kevin Durant decided to sign with the Warriors, we were like, oh man, we're losing peak Steph, you know, peak Stephen Curry. And we were a little bummed about that, right? Because he had just come off of that record-breaking season, unanimous MVP season. And of course, they lost to the Cavs in the 2016 finals, but he was just hitting his prime. He was in his late 20s. And hey, the KD experience was awesome. I loved it. But there is a part of me that would have been curious to see what Steph could have done if KD didn't show up. Like, how many more records would he have broken? Would he have led the league in scoring? How many threes would he have hit in a year? Would he have broken his own records? We'll never know. I was hoping we would see that last season, you know, when Steph kind of had free reign and and didn't have to defer to KD. But, you know, of course, he hurt his hand, broke his hand. And now we're going to see that a little bit. Unfortunately, he is a little bit older, but... Um, you know, he's still in his prime. I don't think he's done. I really don't. I think his game will translate and will age well. So when people are saying, like, the Warriors are done, well, let's see how great Steph really is. I mean, this is going to be his opportunity to really show out. And I think he's been underestimated for the last few years. Everybody talked about KD. Everybody talked about leaning on Clay. Everybody talked about that he hasn't won a finals MVP. I mean, I think people are sleeping on Steph, man. And I believe we're going to see a really, really entertaining team. If he is the best floor raiser in the game, then I think they'll be around the four spot in the playoffs. And if things just go okay... Yeah, I think maybe they could drop to five or six. The Warriors have talent, and they have the ability to score. They may not have the best three-point shooters right now, but, 
we'll see. Maybe they can work on that. But they will have really solid, solid defense. And, you know, and you look at some of these other teams that all of a sudden are, quote unquote, stepping forward, like the Nuggets, like the Mavericks. They're really good, but we could pump the brakes a little bit. Let's be honest. Like the Nuggets were amazing, but there was a reason they were down 3-1 so many times. We'll see if they can remain consistent, if Jamal Murray can do what he did in the playoffs for a whole season, if Michael Porter Jr., conspiracy theories aside, can do even more and take even more responsibility. You never know. You never know. I'm still kind of uh, reeling from Clay's injury. I, I feel super bad for the dude. As much as you could feel bad for for a guy that you know makes tens of millions, a hundred million, I don't know how many millions of dollars he makes. But hopefully he'll be around the team, and hopefully uh, he'll be back. And um, in the meantime, I am super, super looking forward to this season. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because there's even more unknown. And when there's more unknown, it automatically makes you more curious. It'll draw eyeballs. Will Draymond be the Draymond of old? Will Steph be the Steph of old? Will uh, Wiggins flourish playing next to Steph, or will he just be... Uh, the same guy that he was in Minnesota. Then you look at the young guys, you look at Wiseman, like what can he pull off, you know? Uh, will the, you know, When they bring him on slowly, like will we see flashes? And, um, you know, I find that pretty exciting. So I'm hoping to do more of these podcast episodes uh, game by game. I'll be joined soon and pairing up with uh, my friend uh, Vu Bang Wen. Uh, and we're going to be talking weekly about uh, Warriors stuff. So hope you tune into that. Anyway, that's it for me. Make sure to subscribe to the Oakland Warriors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to ping me on Twitter at Patrick Epino, Patrick E-P-I-N-O. And I will check you out later. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs.